Amen. We are in a series called Jesus Saves as we go through God's promises for his church in the book of Isaiah. And uh, we're in Isaiah chapter 44 today, and I want to talk to you about being a prosperous people, prospering in the promise of God, prospering in the promise. Uh, As a father of two, I want my children to have a better tomorrow than today. How many know what I'm talking about? That's the parent's goal. You want your kids to have a better tomorrow than today, or even your grandkids have a better tomorrow than today. And probably about tw- up until about 20 years ago, once we started seeing like 9-11 and terrorist attacks, and now we have pandemics and everything else and riots in and, and the world, we always thought, many of you grew in this room growing up, probably all believed that, you know, my tomorrow, if I work hard and I go to school and I, you know, save my money, I'll have a better tomorrow than today. But how many know, like in the last five to ten years, you ask anybody on the street, no one's talking about a better tomorrow. Have you noticed this? Everybody, even now, right now, especially in this year of 2020, what are we talking about this year for years to come? No one's saying tomorrow's going to be better than today. It's, it's always, man, now there's a shift. There's a shift in our country. There's a shift in the world. Many people thinking, you know, tomorrow's probably not going to be as good as today. But that's every parent's hope that they want, they want to be able to promise their children you'll prosper tomorrow. They, that's their goal, and that's God's goal and God's hope and God's promise to you too. God is such a good father, and if you want your children to prosper tomorrow, and if you could do it, wouldn't you do it? Wouldn't you do anything you could do to get your children to prosper tomorrow? God is the same way. He promises to his children that they will prosper always. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. For the Christian, we have a hope in Jesus Christ. God told Abraham back in the day, he said, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless the nations. All nations, all people groups are going to be blessed through you. And what does that blessing look like today? It's through Jesus Christ. And then if we have a hope in him, We can have a hope for tomorrow. Somebody say amen. So what do you believe about tomorrow? There's a atmosphere that is in this world that is, I believe, affecting the church. There's more fear, more anxiety, more pessimism. Uh, There's more uh, taking in the the anger of the world. I believe that God wants to restore us to right thinking and believing and feeling through his word and that we believe our tomorrow is going to be better than today in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. God promises to pour out His Spirit and prosper His children. Are you prospering in the promise of God? Is there increasing blessing in your life? Are you being fulfilled in and through God's Spirit? Are we a prosperous people? Isaiah chapter 44, verse 1. If you're there, somebody say amen. Amen. Let me give you the background of Isaiah 44 before we dig in. So here's the background. There's a nation called Israel. Uh, You know about them. They're the children of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, formed 12 tribes. They formed what we know as modern-day Israel, and it was even a little bigger than that. And they uh, followed the Lord. But after years, they began to fall into idolatry, following other gods and following other nations more than they followed God, trusting in self, trusting in their own works of righteousness. So God allowed them to be sent into exile. Assyria, this great empire, would come and take the ten northern tribes away. Another couple hundred years later, a southern kingdom 
would be taken away by the nation of Babylon. And now we find ourselves in the day of those great Bible stories of Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, and soon to be the story of Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther. That's, that's the time period we're in. And so we're lost. It's 150 years now that Isaiah is speaking into the future. Isaiah is called to speak to this nation 150 years into the future, and he's saying to a, a Babylonian captive people, people who are captive by the big, great evil nation of, of Babylon, And for the first time in Israel's history, people are believing their tomorrow will not be better than today. They're captive. They're surrounded by a pagan idolatry. They're doing what they've told. They've been sold into slavery. They've got no no hope. For the, uh, the generations before, man, they had saw the temple of God. They'd gone to the festivals. They'd participated in the readings. And they could travel to Jerusalem and worship the Lord their God. And they thought, man, if we worship God, will our children will be having a hope for the future. But now in exile for the first time, the old generation is dying off. A new generation is being born in exile. And these kids have never seen the promised land. These kids have never seen the temple. These kids have never heard uh, the great trumpet blast when God's Spirit showed up. They've never gone to Jerusalem for all those great feasts. And parents are starting to think, man, our kids will never know the promises of God. Our kids will never have what we once had. And God speaks that He's going to rebuild from the ruins. Look in Isaiah 44, verse 1. Here's God's promise to them that he's not given up on prospering them. He says, but now listen, O Jacob, my servant in Israel, whom I have chosen. Somebody say chosen. Chosen. He's chosen them. Thus say the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Do not fear. There's something you should say over yourself quite often through the Lord. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and you, yes, you run whom I have chosen, for I will pour out water on thirsty land and on streams on the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. The memory, that's he's talking about their children now. That's who they're concerned about. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. He's saying your tomorrow is going to be better than today. He says, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants, and they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. And this one will say, I am the Lord's. And that one will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, belonging to the Lord. And they'll name Israel's name with honor. These people had the promise of Abraham. God said in Genesis 22, guys, through Abraham, I'm going to bless all people groups. All people groups around the world are going to be blessed through what I'm going to do through Abraham's descendants. And you'd say, well, how, God? We are in the middle of exile. How can you bless us here? Haven't you seen the news? Don't you watch what's on TV? Haven't you heard the reports that they're giving out? There's no hope for tomorrow. It's just getting darker. It's just getting worse. Our children are going to have it worse off tomorrow than today. He says, but I've promised to prosper you. He said, what I've promised, I'm going to. To do it, he says, I'm going to send his son, Jesus Christ. And if you go into the New Testament, fast forward several hundreds of years, 
He would say that Jesus would come and Jesus would speak and he would bring light in the midst of darkness. He would break the chains. He would open blinded eyes and deaf ears. And then there's a day that Jesus says this in Luke 24, verse 49. He says, and I'll send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and you'll receive power from heaven. You know that story in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down, begins to pour out and uh, Peter begins to preach the gospel, and he declares that today's the day. Today's the day of promise. He says in Joel 2, like he said, I'll pour out my spirit on young and old, slave and free. And today, you and I are descendants of Abraham. By faith, the Bible says that you and I are literally the fulfillment of what Israel had been longing for that day. You see, physically, they got out. Physically, God will raise up Cyrus of Persia and come release them. He'd raise up people like Daniel from the lion's den. He'd raise up people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to give them hope. He'd raise up people like Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, and they would get back to that land. But there was a spiritual reality there, too. He said, I'm going to create something the world has never seen. Through my son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And everything I promised to Abraham, there's going to be people in 2020 in LaSalle Parish, Louisiana, who are going to be the fulfillment of everything you've ever hoped for. On your descendants, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all mankind. Somebody say amen. So the question is, are you the promise of God? Are you the people God has promised to bless the nations? Are you a blessed people? Are you the people of promise? And are you prospering in everything God has promised to do? Because that's who he's called his church to be. Are you prospering in the spirit of God? Are you living up to everything Jesus died for? Are you living in the spirit God promised? I don't know about you, if you like to diet or exercise, I despise both of them. Uh, But there's something about dieting and exercise, right? So, number one, you have to believe that it's possible. There are a lot of gimmicks out there, but you have to believe it. You know, at home, I have that total gym that Chuck Norris advertised years ago. So, you know, apparently, if I use this, I'll be like Chuck Norris, you know. So, I don't know if it's worked yet, but... We'll try it, okay? So, but you have to believe it. Man, I'll look like that guy on the Bowflex commercial, or I'll look like that person if I run that many miles a day, or if I drink this, or eat that kale, or give up carbs. I can look like that. You have to believe it to try it. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody say amen. You got to believe it. Number one, you have to believe it. But even if I believe it, you know at 5 a.m. I don't want it, Right? 5 a.m. to get up and drink that smoothie and go on a jog in the middle of a Louisiana hot summer morning. You really got to believe it. You know what I'm saying? You got to want it bad enough. Believe it bad enough, and then you got to desire it enough. You've got to hunger for it. It's okay to believe it, but believing it's one thing. Yeah, it's possible. If I did that diet, I'd change. But until you want it, you'll never get it. Are you with me this morning? There are Christians all over America today that believe in a good news, but they don't want it. There are Christians all over today that believe all kinds of things about the Bible. Yeah, it's possible I could have peace. Yeah, it's possible I could have self-control. Yeah, it's possible I could live in that. Yeah, it's possible God could use me in healing. Come on. Yeah, it's possible 
People in the Bible cast out demons. Yeah, it's possible I could speak in tongues. Yeah, it's possible. I believe in the doctrine. I believe in the idea of it. But do you want it? You see, you have to desire it to the level that you believe it if you're going to become it. You have to desire it to the level you're going to believe it if you're going to become it. Let me give you three things that, require, that you have to have to believe in the promise of God and receive it. To be the people God has promised Israel. To be the people God promised Abraham. You see, you're supposed to be the promises of God. You are the fulfillment. Miss Evelyn said it earlier. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You have been prom- God promised that He would send you to the world. The first thing you have to believe today is in your spiritual identity. Your spiritual identity. You have to believe in who you are. Let's look at our text, and our text is going to show this to us. Look in that first part, Isaiah 44, verse 1. He says, But now listen, O Jacob, my servant in Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you. See, he was there at the beginning. Who will help you. Do not fear, O Jacob, and you, yes, you run, whom I have chosen. What is he saying there? He says, I formed you out of nothing. You are a nomadic people. You had no hope. You're a bunch of shepherds out in the middle of a desert. I moved Abraham here. I did wonders. I, I, I got you out of Egypt with power and signs and plagues. I did that. You didn't do anything. I've given you everything. I knew you. I formed you. Don't fear. It gives three names there. Look at there the text. He says, Jacob. The word Jacob means deceiver. He speaks to their identity before. Jacob, remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Jacob stole Esau's birthright. He was a deceiver. Then when he wrestled with God, he became Israel. The word Israel is debatable, but it means a prince of God or one who struggles with God. And God changed his identity. Then he gives another name. He says, and you, yes, you run, which is only used twice in Scripture. And it means my beloved one or upright one. It means someone you cherish, someone that you draw near to you. So in this one text, he says, guys, you were a deceiver before and I accepted you. I changed your identity. I struggled with you and you struggled with me. I made you into a prince of God. I made you into a mighty nation. And now don't fear. Don't give up. You are my precious one, my one who I bring close to me, the one I make upright before me. And see, that's the same identity that you and I have to believe that God has done in our life. The Bible says that we were once not a people, but now we have become the people of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that you have received the Holy Spirit to be adopted as children of God. That when the Spirit of Christ is dwelling in you, you can go through hard times in your life and cry out, Father, Father, which is Abba, Father, which means literally Daddy, Daddy. And that the Holy Spirit who's within you will bear witness that you literally are children of God. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 1.22. He says, he has identified us as his own. Everybody say his own. He's called you, identified you, ID'd you as his own. Why? By placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees us everything he has promised us. You have to embrace your identity as a child of God. If you confess Jesus with your heart and you turn from your sin, that means to repent, 
to go the other direction, say, God, I don't want to live the way I think. I don't want to feel the way I feel. I don't want to do the things I do. Your way is better than my way. I believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the son of the most high God, that he came on down to this earth through a virgin, that he lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death on the cross. He was in the tomb for three days. He rose on the third day, went to heaven, sitting at the right hand of the father. And he's coming back for his church, his bride. You believe that crazy story with all your heart and you live like it. He says, I give you the Holy Spirit. And you have this something living on the inside of you that says, man, you're not like everybody else. You have your daddy's spiritual DNA. There's something in there that bears witness. And he says, you've got to embrace this. Say, I am the Lord's. He says, there's coming a day. Look at the last verse in verse five. He says, there's going to come a day where this one's going to say, I'm the Lord's. And that one's going to call on the name of Jacob. And that one is going to even write on his hand, belonging to the Lord. What does that mean? In the ancient world, Roman soldiers or even Babylonian soldiers uh, would write or tattoo their platoon on their arm. Now, we do this in the U.S. military. You'll see guys that will have like they were in the airborne or they were an army ranger or whatever. They'll tattoo it onto their troop or their little saying. And you can go across the world, and if you are a Marine and you say Semper Fi, you're always a Marine, once a Marine, always a Marine, right? There's this camaraderie, there's this identity that never leaves you. If you were in the military, you're always in the, you're, you're one of them. There's an elite group of people that no one else fits into except for those people, all right? Those of you who are veterans understand that. He says there's coming a day where the identity of being people of God will be up to the degree of it being tattooed on their arms. That you can go to Fiji, you can go to Africa, you can go to Australia, you can go to Tanzania, and you can say, hey, we are all people of God. We are all children of the Most High God. It doesn't matter who we are. You can be of this country or that country. You can be black, you can be white, you can be Hispanic, you can be old, you can be young, but we are all God's children. Somebody say amen. amen. That you have that identity in you that is so rooted. It doesn't mean that, hey, today I'm, maybe I'm God's kid but I messed up. Maybe I'm not God's kid today. Maybe tomorrow I'll be God's kid again. No, you're not in and out. I don't have a relationship like that with our, heaven, we don't have our, heaven, our heavenly father. You're not just somebody's kid one day and not the next. But no, I say, God, I know I'm not perfect. I know not all that I ought to be. But there's some Holy Spirit inside of me. It's tattooed on me. I am God's son. Are you in your spiritual identity? Are you prospering? In your spiritual identity. Number two, are you in your spiritual anointing? Look at that next verse. He says, For I'll pour out water on thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I'll pour out my spirit on your offspring. He says, There's dry and thirsty ground. What happened in Genesis chapter 3? You remember the story of the Garden of Eden that God was with man and it was a paradise. Man, everything worked. It was in order. And it was this great, beautiful place, this Eden and this garden. Everything was prosperous. Everything was good. Everything was blessed. And it says that sin came into the world. And what did sin do? It cursed men and it cursed the world. It said, uh, God said, thorns and thistles this world will now produce for you. Everything gets out of order. And now you're excluded from the prosperity of God. You're excluded from my presence. And since that day, the earth became a wilderness, a shell of what it once was. 
that man no longer had fellowship with God. The earth is quaking. There's rioting. There's murder. There's death. There's all the disease. There's plagues. There's viruses. There's all this mess. And he says there's coming a day that all that's going to be undone while the earth has been this wilderness of sin. And it's a dry and weary place to live and try to raise your children in exile. There's coming a day where I will begin to prosper people once again. And that's the day when I send my Holy Spirit. Remember, you were excluded from my presence and it became a waste in your life. There's coming a day when you're going to go through this waste-filled world and you're going to begin to prosper again because my presence is going to be in you. Everything we lost in the garden, we gained back when Jesus came on the scene. Jesus comes in your life and he gives you the Holy Spirit. You gain back what Adam lost. Do you hear me this morning? You understand me? That you gain the presence of God back, the very presence Adam walked with in the garden, the very presence Abraham had, Noah, Moses, David, Isaiah, the same presence Jesus had on this earth that his disciples had, that that same very presence now is yours. You have it if you're the people of promise. He says, I'm going to flood it. I'm going to pour out my spirit. That word pour out means to experience favor. It means to be anointed. And the word anointed means to be given purpose and power. When you are in a wasteful place in your life and I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, I'm habitually sinning, I'm thinking thoughts I don't want to think, I'm doing things I don't want to do, I'm not happy with myself, my marriage is falling apart, my kids are out of order, I don't know where my next meal or job is going to come from. And he says, yeah, but when I pour out my spirit in your life, it comes like a flood, you get purpose, you get power, you get my presence, and everything's going to be Okay. You can have joy in the midst of a barren land when you're in God. You can have peace in the middle of all the things that could be going on in your life. He says, are you prospering in the anointing? Has his spirit affected a change in your soul? Remember what Joel said? That when he pours out his spirit on all mankind, your sons and daughters will even prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on slave and free, male and female, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. It means that when God's anointing comes into your life, when his purpose and power comes into your life, you can do supernatural things you never thought possible. God can use you in the gifts of the spirit. God can use you to speak in tongues. He can give you dreams and visions. He can use you to see demons cast out of circumstances. He can use you to see healing in your life. He can use you to give words of knowledge to coworkers and friends. He can warn you about things ahead of time and a dream or a vision for your tomorrow. He can tell you what job to take and not to take. He can tell you how to pray over your kids. He can tell you how to get through that marriage. He can begin to do things that you couldn't do otherwise because you're walking in his purpose and his power. Somebody say amen. amen. Do you have your spiritual identity? Are you walking in your spiritual anointing? Are you flooded by the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit? Number three is this. Spiritual blessing. Walk in your spiritual identity. Walk in your spiritual anointing. And walk in your spiritual blessing. You see, just like that workout, i got to believe something's worth pursuing i got to believe in the blessing of God. Just like I said earlier, there are Christians out there who know it and believe it, but you got to want it. It's not good enough just to come to church and believe it. you got to want it for yourself. 
You've got to want the presence of God. It's not, it's not good enough to see our piano players and our guitar players or the pastors or our church leaders have it, and you believe it, and it's possible, but are you walking in it? Do you have the peace in the midst of trials? Do you have the joy in the midst of suffering? Do you have the supernatural manifestation of God in your life? Well, that's for pastors. That's for preachers. That's for evangelists. No. He said, on everyone, male and female, old and young, slave and free, high status, low status, kindergarten to the deathbed, you can be in the power and presence of God. But you've got to believe it. Look what he says in verse 4. And on my blessings and your descendants, and they'll spring up among the grass like poplars by the spring of water. You see, it was impossible for Israel to get out of exile. They had no hope. Everything they'd ever done in their life had been by God's grace, and this would be no different. It would be by God's grace that he would raise up Esther to save people, save the Jews from annihilation. It'd be by God's grace that he'd send Cyrus of Persia, this new empire, to release the slaves. It'd be by God's grace that he'd send Ezra and Nehemiah to get them back to the promised land. And the same way is true for you and for me, for the Holy Spirit. You can't go to church enough. You can't pray enough. You can't fast enough. You can't rake enough leaves in somebody's yard. You can't preach hard enough. You can't sing strong enough. You can't be in this building many times enough to get the blessing of God in your life. It comes simply by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. No one is good enough to have the fullness of God in their life. It's only because Jesus was good enough for you. And when you believe that in a way that you're willing to receive it, That's when the presence of God begins to move in your life. Look what he says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. You see, God had promised Abraham to bless the nations. And he says, you know, that day is finally here, church. What is the blessing of God? He said, God proclaimed this good news to Abraham a long time ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ shared this same blessing Abraham received. Because of his faith. What was the blessing Abraham received? What's the blessing you can have today? The Bible says because of his faith, Abraham became known as a friend of God. The very thing Adam lost was fellowship with God. The very thing Isaiah was telling his people. There's coming a day, there's going to be a bunch of people who are now friends of God. How are you a friend of God? When you walk with his spirit. When you have his Holy Spirit living in you. You see, the greatest blessing God can give you in your life is not more money. It is not a better house. It's not a better job. It's not even the right man or woman. It's not anything God, any of this material stuff. The greatest gift God can give you is himself. Is himself. You see, when he's in the middle of it, all of your mess is not muddly no more. You say, I can go through all this stuff because you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they protect me. They comfort me. You lead me inside of streams of still waters. And I can go through valleys of shadow of death because I know what? That you are here. You're here. You're with me. The greatest thing God wants to do in your life is give you more of himself. But you can believe it. But do you want it? Do you want it? I've preached for 13 years full time, and I've preached to many people who'll believe what I say, but don't want what I say. 
I've seen more people walk out church doors who believe it but don't want it in the American church. He says, the blessing, though, is for you and your children and your children's children. God wants to give you more of himself. Do you want it? Are you the people of promise? Are you prospering in the presence of the Holy Spirit? In a day like 2020, church, we need to be prospering. It is so easy to be overrun by news and media and fear and anxiety and dread for tomorrow. But if we are the people of promise, we are called to prosper in the presence of the Lord. Shouldn't we be the happiest people on earth? Shouldn't we be the most hopeful people on earth? Shouldn't we be the most joyful people on earth if we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? Paul says that he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing heaven has to offer. You believe it? Now, how have you received it? I have noticed in my life in this last year that Heath Harris needs to be living more in what he believes. Amen? Need to be living more in what, oh, I believe there's joy unspeakable and full of glory, Pastor. Are you living in it? Mm. I believe there's a peace that passes all understanding, Pastor. Don't sound like it. Are we the people God has promised? Are we prospering in everything he purchased? His spiritual identity, his spiritual anointing, his spiritual blessing. You see, in God, it just keeps getting better. Let me give you a parable to close with. Have you received all that you really want from God? Is your tomorrow going to be better than today? Years ago, there was a uh, young boy who had lived in an orphanage for a good while. And it didn't look like he was going to be adopted. One December, a young couple decided that they would take him in. They adopted him, and they brought him home with their two other children, a young boy and a young girl. And Christmas came, and they sat around the tree. Now, this young boy had been through all kinds of things, had been abandoned and made false promises. He wasn't quite sure if this arrangement would even work out. Would they even keep him? Maybe they'd give him back. He wasn't ready to call the mom, mom, or the dad, dad just yet. And he sat there around the tree, and he just kind of stood back, and he watched the family enjoy their normal annual festivities. And the parents began passing out gifts to all three. And he would, they would watch the young girl open her gift, and he'd watch the young boy open his gift with glee and excitement and acceptance of all their parents had purchased for them. And he wouldn't open his. He wasn't sure. Was it a good thing? What would be inside? What if he was disappointed? Was he really one of their kids? How does he fit into this whole thing? And with much encouragement and much coaching from his new parents, he finally opened his gift. And to his surprise, he was given the same gifts that the other two were given. You see, whether or not he opened the gift did not determine if he was one of their children. They'd already settled that with the courts. 
See, he had to accept, number one, he had to accept his new identity. I am their son. He had to believe it. Two, he had to believe that it was a good gift that his parents wanted to give him. He received it. And three, by faith, he had to believe in opening it. He had to accept it and receive it and open it by faith in who he was, that they were good. That's God and you. You have got to believe by faith who God has called you to be. You've got to receive your new identity in Jesus Christ as his son or daughter. You must believe that the gifts that God gives you are always good. I've heard people say, well, pastor, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want to prophesy. I don't know if I want to speak in tongues. I don't know if I want to do all that stuff. Every good gift comes from God. If God's got a gift for you, it's going to be good. You've got to believe it's good. And number three, you have to have faith to open it up. You must believe in who you are, that he is good. And if God's given it to you, open the gift. I want to be one of those people. I don't want to be sitting around a Christmas tree with a bunch of unopened gifts. He says, those are purchased for you. He, those are your gifts. And I say, I don't know if I want to walk in. I don't know if I can. I, but open the gift. I've given it to you. If God has tongues for me, may I speak in tongues. If God has dreams for me, may I dream dreams. If God has power for me, may I have power. Get the gifts God has given. And some of us today need to say, Lord, I am not walking in the manner of love that you've purchased for me. God, I'm not walking in the level of peace that you purchased for me. The Bible says, ask, seek, and knock. Ask, it'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be open to you. That means believing, believing, believing. God has everything you need in Jesus Christ. His Spirit has been poured out for you. You are the promises of God. You are, you are the promise. You understand me today. You are the fulfillment of everything Israel hoped and longed for. It's you. It's you. And God says, would you just receive the blessing of God? Would you receive the anointing, the power and purpose I have for you? Would you receive the identity that I've purchased through you, through Jesus Christ? And now just say, God, I believe it. Now I receive it. Amen? Go for it. Go for everything God has for you. Would you stand with me today? Worship team, would you come? Today you receive the Holy Spirit simply by faith. Is your tomorrow going to be better than today? We can fill our lives with anxiety and we can worry about what's going to bring tomorrow. But I can promise my children this. Kids in the Lord... Your tomorrow is always better. In Jesus, my children will have a better tomorrow than today. I believe that. In Jesus, I don't care what this world brings. We all have more hope, more love, more joy, more power of the Holy Spirit. My kids are going to have a better tomorrow. than I'm going to have a better tomorrow than today if I'm in Jesus. It's only going to get better with Him. So are you prospering today? Would you receive what God wants to do in your life? Would you just every head bowed, every eye closed, just take in Jesus today? We just ask the Lord to give you, maybe today you're anxious. Let God give you peace. Just believe it and receive it.
Confess it over yourself. Lord, I receive my peace today by faith. Lord, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. I know you've purchased it. I believe it. So I'm going to pursue you and pursue it until I receive it. God, I need more love today. God, I want more love today in my life. I need more love for this person. God, I'm believing for more love. God, I need more hope, more joy. Maybe you're not joyful today. God, I'm believing for more joy. I'm receiving joy today. I'm opening up the package of joy today. And I'm confessing it over my life. God, you've given it. God, I receive it. I'm asking, seeking, knocking. Lord, it's going to happen. I have joy in the name of Jesus Christ. Devil, I come against fear and anxiety. I come against disbelief. I come against apathy in my life. Lord, I want the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit activated in my life. That's you today. You just begin to press in and press God right where you are. Make this an altar. Make this an altar moment for you. Receive everything God has for you. You want tongues? Ask for tongues. If you want the visions and dreams, ask for visions and dreams. If you want the blessings of God over your marriage, ask for it. You'll freely receive it. It's for you. For you and your children and your children's children, God has given everything heaven has to offer. But you've got to believe it to receive it. Lord, right now, fill this room. Holy Spirit, come against doubt and disbelief. Lord, they are good enough. Devil, you are a liar. You have been a slanderer from beginning. We reject every vile thing you've put on our life. Lord, we come into the identity of Jesus Christ. We ask you, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Come into our heart. Fill us with the Holy Spirit by faith. We are good enough because Jesus was good enough for us. You're here today and you don't know the Lord. Right now, you can know him. It doesn't take a special prayer. Right now, you can just say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. I know who Jesus Christ is. I receive him as Lord and Savior of my life. You want someone to pray with you? You can come down here to the front. We'll pray with you. Today's your day. Today's a new beginning. Or Number two, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, I'm not living in the fullness. I know I'm not as happy and joyful as I ought to be. I know I'm not really walking in the power of God like I want to be. But today's my day. Tomorrow going to be better than today. You say, that's me. Pastor Heath, just raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm praying that over myself today. Lord, Holy Spirit, more joy, more power, more anointing. For me today, Lord, I'm receiving everything you purchased. Let's just sing this song together. If you want prayer today, our team's going to be around the front. We'll pray with you. Going through a hard time, we'll pray with you. Let's just receive. As they worship and sing this song, would you worship with them? Receive everything he has for you today. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Breathe on us, O oh God. Holy, holy, holy. Yes, God. That's you want him? Holy Yesterday's not enough. My tomorrow's gonna be better. Today.